My name's Phil Williams and I would like to welcome you to Audio Angling, the podcast site of fishingfilmsandfacts.co.uk. As far as interviews go, they don't come any more special than this one with the single most successful international course angler on the entire planet, multiple world champion Alan Scotthorn. Just as we were arranging to do this link-up, you was about to fly out to Poland for the 2013 World Championships. So what better place to start than with a quick recap of how that event went? The first thing, really, that needs to be talked about is that the venue was supposed to be very, very difficult. I think we were all a little bit shocked that it, it was in Poland because a, a couple of years before we, we had the European Championships on another water in Poland, and, it, and to be honest, it was catastrophic. The fishing was terrible. And we'd already heard that this venue, maybe a kilo, had win sections, so we were probably a little bit disappointed to be going on the, the Zaransky Canal as such, because we just felt that, again, it might be a really difficult match. But as it turned out, it was probably one of the better or one of the best matches that we've ever fished. I mean, it uh, the result were fantastic. I mean, to score seven points on the first day were, were unbelievable. I mean, we won four sections below the bridge. Were just fantastic. I mean, you know, unbelievable result, really. And to go on and win a gold medal there with the team and also have second and third. I mean, Steve Hemingway was second individual, I was third individual, both scoring two points each. And, of course, my good friend, who I fish with quite a lot, Didier Delanois, who comes, in fact, he's coming to my house next week, won the individual as well. So it, we were a, a fantastic event, really, for Dren and Team England and, and both myself and Steve Emingray to get individual medals. Fantastic. So how many titles is that now? Perhaps you should talk us through some of your incredible CV. Uh, the list is growing, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I think we've won eight times with the team now. Uh, I've been involved for eight gold medals, and I wouldn't like to say how many silvers and bronze medals we've won. I mean, I've, I've been involved in the team for 20 years, so I think this year, I don't know if it's my 19th or 20th year this year. I'm nearly sure it's my 20th year in, involved with this, the team as such. So in that time to win eight times is, is pretty incredible really and of course for myself I mean five individual gold medals and then a third this year is is something that is difficult to sort of get your head round really I mean in that time I've also been fourth on I think two occasions maybe even three occasions so you know just missed out on a medal as such and I believe that between yourself and your wife Sandra who I'm going to be talking to separately later and your son Oliver, you're now in the process of building a course match-angling dynasty. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a, a funny thing, really. I mean, me and Sandra got together about 15 years ago. I mean, I, I split up with my ex-wife. We just didn't get on too well. But, of course, I got together with Sandra, and through the fishing, we sort of hit it off very well. I mean, we work very well as a team when we go fishing. I mean, often when Sandra's been fishing at world level, I've run Sandra's section, and when I've been fishing, Sandra has run my section. So we work very well as a team, and Sandra winning twice in the Ladies' World Championships, and I think five times the one with the team while she's been involved as well. 
we've got uh, a very, very good CV between us. But of course, also Oliver is also fishing as well. And he fished the first time when he was 15 for the junior team. And that was in Serbia, on a canal in Serbia. And uh, they won a gold medal and, and Oliver was third individual. And since then, I mean, now he's 22, he's, he's really struggled to get back into the team because it just felt really awkward for Oliver because every year that they're on after, it sort of stepped up to the under-23 team. So it made it difficult because he were only 16, but his, his age made it so he would, I think, just a month out of qualifying to fish for the juniors again. So it made it really difficult to get back in the team for him. But this year he, he made the team to fish in Rieur in France in the under-23s, which is actually his last year this year. But it, unfortunately he didn't get to actually fish. It was reserved for this event. But again, the team won a gold, oh, sorry, they won a silver medal. They were second overall. And, uh, of course, I think they also had a third also individual. Rory were third individual. So they had a, a very, very good event. So Oliver's sort of followed in the footsteps of us and won medals at, at world level, which is fantastic. Projecting that forward in time, when he does become eligible for the senior squad, what do you reckon of his prospects there? Mm, it, it, it's that's a, a difficult one because you know there's a lot, a lot of of good youngsters out there that's sort of knocking on the door of making the way into the full squad. I mean, we've already got Lee Kerry and Callum Dix who, who came in to the European team last year or this year, should I say? And for Oliver to sort of step up in the future to sort of make the world team, he's got rather a lot of work to do to catch up with some of the lads that's involved now. I'm not saying it's an impossibility, but for Oliver, at the moment, he spends a lot of time at work and he's only managing to get fishing sort of on a Sunday and, and maybe once in the week. So it's a little bit more difficult for him. But in the future, if he keeps fishing and, and sort of maybe improves with his job where he can fish Saturday and Sunday and, and build up some more results. It's not an impossibility to get into the full squad in his later years, there's no doubt. Now, as you know, I was chatting to Dick Clegg last week and he said that his one remaining ambition was to set up an academy to bring match anglers through at all levels. What are your thoughts on that idea? And might it even be something that you could contribute to when you retire from international duties? Well, it... If you actually look at it now, both Lee Kerry and Callum Dix came up through the international junior events, through the under-16s and the under-23s, and they've now progressed into the European Championships team. I think for anybody now who's not involved in the junior-type events... I mean, there may be somebody come through, but I think that you know, unless you've been involved in that side of things, I think it's very, very difficult to sort of get into the world squad because all these lads have got now international experience and they're all fishing the right competitions as well. They're all involved in census challenge type matches where we're fishing to international rules in this country. So it Dick setting up an academy as such 
I'm not really sure how that'd work because the fact that we've got these youngsters coming through the international events is the sort of the kiddies that's going to make the squad in the future. I'm absolutely positive about that. I mean, we've got some very, very good young anglers involved in our Barnsley team that every one of them has been involved at junior level at some time. On the subject of young anglers and progression through the ranks, what are your earliest memories of getting into fishing, and in particular into coarse match fishing? <laughs> We're going back a long time now, because I'm 51 now, so... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, my early days in fishing, I was very, very lucky that my father... I mean, he does a little bit of fishing still now. I mean, my dad's approaching 80, and... Uh, He's very fit and he still gets out fishing. He does a little bit of trout fishing and things. But uh, he was very good in supporting me in the early days when I started fishing competitions. I mean, uh, my brother, who was a couple of years older than me, actually got me into fishing. We used to go fishing on a little trout stream down from where I lived. And, and he got me into to sort of catching an odd trout on this stream and then we sort of progressed or I progressed and, and he, him as well. We started fishing matches on a, a local pit pond, Rockingham Pit Pond, which is in close to Birdwell near Barnsley. And we both had quite a bit of success. We moved up to club level and started fishing club matches and I can remember winning five out of the six club matches at, at club level when I first started fishing and that, you know, a lot of the the older angers didn't particularly like that as such, winning everything that sort of in front of me at, at club level. I then moved up to fishing matches on Wurzburg Reservoir, which again was just down from Birdwell where I lived and, and I could almost walk there and did often walk there with my equipment when I couldn't get a lift there as such. But I started fishing the matches there and... Uh, quickly got noticed with Dick Clegg and Dennis White and Tommy Pickering who formed the Barnsley Blacks and uh, they invited me to start fishing with them which at that time they were an up-and-coming team as such and uh, I progressed from there to start fishing some of the bigger matches and and probably the, the start of my England career were winning the UK Championships two-year on the trot. And I also won the European Super Cup that were based at Home Pierpoint. I won it uh, the first year it was run. I think that were in 1990. 1990. And then in 1991, I, I also won the first day's event, but finished. I think I finished 11th on the, the second one that they run and made a little bit of a mistake on the second day match, to be honest. But that sort of catapulted me into the limelight and, and sort of the sort of grounds to get me into the England team. Not being either a freshwater or a competition angler myself, you'll have to forgive my lack of knowledge on how the CV and selection process works. So how do prospective internationals get themselves noticed? Well, there isn't really a selection process. What happens is, and has happened since Dick Clegg sort of took over the reins as manager. What he did, he watched the results all the time and watched the anglers fishing quite regularly and based his knowledge of the anglers on picking a squad for a venue that 
were coming up in the future. And uh, I think the fact that he went down this route, instead of using trials like a lot of the overseas teams use, he actually selected a team so he could keep that team almost together and make just maybe one change a year. Even if he did, sometimes he kept the squad for two or three years at a time. Everybody together and working together. And by doing that, they built up more knowledge of sort of international fishing. And this made it, I'm sure that this, this made our team a lot, lot better when Dick started. I mean, he didn't, I don't think he won on the first occasion that he had a team, but I think on the second occasion, they managed to win with the England team and that sort of set the ball rolling and the standard. I mean, Dick, I'm not sure how many times, you know, Dick, Dick won with the team as such, but it was quite a number of times and he was a fantastic manager and that sort of has carried on. I mean, Mark Downs and Mark Addy now who took over from Dick picked the team in the same way. So every year you can get a top flight squad where sometimes what happens with the trials type way of picking teams, you can get odd anglers coming through that's maybe not as good as some of the top anglers. So all the time we have a full, good quality team. And also a team that builds a relationship that work together very, very well. That's a big thing. We all trust each other in the England team and we all work together to get the end result. To what extent can a squad and ultimately a team differ between competitions and venues according to individual specialist requirements from different individuals to give the team an edge? I think that's one thing that the England team has got now. We've got a team of very, very good all-round anglers and anybody sort of wanting to come into the team has got to have a very broad aspect of fishing. If you look at the two young lads who's made the progression into the team now, Lee Kerry and Callum Dix, what they've both got is, you know, attributes that they can lend themselves to anything. They can fish with flat floats, they can fish with bolognese, they can fish long poles, they've caught bleak, they've done a lot, a lot of different aspects of fishing to get to where they are. And now, being involved in the squad, they're working even harder now to try to keep up with everything. Another aspect of fishing for your country in big events is the preparation and planning that must go in. Obviously, the match venue will have been researched, but on match day, conditions can be very different to those on the practice days, so squad members will presumably need to be versatile to cope. So are there any specific targets, tasks or requirements given to team members from the onset? And under what circumstances, if any, can team orders be ignored or adapted if that adaptation brings a chance of individual glory? A lot of the venues that we go to are venues that's regularly fished. So you can always gather a small amount of knowledge about each venue. I mean, this year was slightly different. The venue in Poland is not a regularly fished venue, so there were a sparse amount of information. But what the England team do, we always travel for two weeks for an event. It's just a standard that we sort of set ourselves, that we go for one week where we fish together and fish away from the match length. You're not allowed within 500 metres of the match length. But often you can fish past 500 metres on the venue and get a feel 
for the type of fishing. It's not always relevant to what happens on the week's practice because when you get 200 anglers feeding for five days before a competition, it always changes. So it's not usually too relevant to what happens on the week's practice. But that extra week just gives you a chance to make sure your hooks, your lines, your floats, and the general feel of the water is already with you before you start the week's practice as such. So the week's practice then is made slightly easier as on the Monday you're not trying to sort of sort your equipment out. Your equipment's generally sorted and we can work on the tactics for that particular venue. When we've learnt over the years to sort of ignore what happens on that first week because, you know, usually the match length with the pressure and everything else is totally different. And we've had times when we've caught up to £100 practising off the match length and sort of 10 to £15 been brilliant on the match length. So we've learned that it's not particularly relevant, but what we do use it for is just to get as equipment right for the venue and get a feel of the sort of surroundings. Rather than specific anglers being given targets then, are targets set perhaps for particular sections, or is it the same game plan for everyone? <laughs> No, we're not really set anything. I mean, Mark Downs and Mark Addy trust the lads implicitly. Obviously, because we've generally been there for a week, what he does, he gives us a open hand on the first day to fish how we think the venue is going to be. And, of course, there's always something comes of that, because obviously we've been there for a week. We've got some idea of a starting sort of where we want to start. So it gives us an open hand on the first day. And then from there, we work on tactics. We discard things, we bring things in, and we start to manipulate to what we want for the weekend. So it's literally a full group working. Mark Downs and Mark Addy never, ever dictate to us what they want us to do. We start off in a manner where it's quite open and then we start to discard things and bring things in. So by the weekend, normally, we have some kind of plan. What sort of things at this level then make the difference between a good course match angler and a great course match angler? There's several things that's happened over the years. The squad that we've got now, you feel like you can rely on every angler to get the best from the situation and the peg that they've got. All of the anglers are used to fishing under pressure, and pressure's a massive, massive thing when you're fishing, because often some of the waters that we fish, you may have to fish two, three hours, catching very little, and then catch odd big fish, so you need to be very, very strong in your mental approach to fishing, where you've got to know that you're feeding right and that in the end you'll get the result. It's a difficult one. There's some anglers that just suffer badly when they're put under pressure. And the same as I've said, it, you know, if you look at the squad that we've got now, we, we've all fished under an immense amount of pressure for quite a number of years. And it's that stand-alone thing that makes a good team, I'm sure. 
if you've got a set of anglers that you can rely on and can get the best out of the situation, then that's the best you can do. Do you smoke? No, none of us smoke. The reason why I'm asking is that at sea, I hate getting petrol from the outboard on my hands in case it taints the bait. I've also heard the same said about nicotine, and was wondering what your thoughts are on that particular suggestion. Well, there's a lot of anglers that do smoke. To be honest, I don't think it makes a massive amount of difference at all. But, I don't know, it, it's a difficult one. I've never asked a fish. <laughs> as we've already said, to be as successful as both yourself and Sandra, you need to have great versatility. But presumably, you also have specialities at which you particularly excel. What aspects then of the match scene see you at your most comfortable and confident? Mm, I think the only way you can sort of portray this, if you go to a venue where there's a lot of fish, then you're, you're most relaxed to start with because you can catch fish usually quite freely from the start. If it's a venue where you're fishing for odd big fish, I mean, we've fished quite a few of these type venues. I mean, you know, looking back at maybe Slovakia and Italy and one or two places where you've had to catch big fish, there's quite an amount of pressure on you then because you have to be patient. And, you know, patience during a world championships is something that, I don't know, it can't be taught to you as such. You've got to feed correctly and then be patient and wait for the fish. If you're in and out all the time and not being patient, you're not going to catch these fish. So that's the only way I can sort of portray how you can be most comfortable. If you're catching a lot of fish, then you, that's when you, you can relax and get into a routine and a rhythm. If it's more difficult, then the pressure does mount. I mean, <laughs> I don't know whether... People watch the Fishermania on the telly with me and William raising fishing an international competition at, at Cudmore. There were probably more pressure on me that day because I weren't catching. I was struggling for a big part of the match and then come good in the end, where William caught steadily through the match and, and built up a good weight. But that day, you felt like all the pressure was on me, not on William. <laughs> Very strange. You've mentioned the need to feed right on a couple of occasions so far. Define for us what you mean by getting the feeding right. Mm, a very, very difficult one to define because obviously when we're practising at world level, this is what you're working on all the time. The ground bait that you use, the bait that you use, how you use it through the four-hour match. Every venue is different and, and every way that you feed is different. I mean, there's so many scenarios that we've had through the years that if you were to make a list of the different ways that we'd fed on different venues the list would be you know you'd want several toilet rolls to get it on because everywhere that you fish is slightly different so what's your starting point then does it involve say a set routine with trial and error or is it more of an intuitive thing it's just practice and bouncing ideas off each other, really, and, and sort of building up to getting the right technique for that venue. What about favoured types of waters and techniques? Have you got any preferences, or do you just take them as they come? Again, all the venues are different, and sometimes, I mean, 
you can look back and think we went to Hungary expecting it to be an out-and-out pole match uh, in 2007. When we arrived there, the conditions were perfect, 27 degrees. We caught a lot of fish on the first practice week. Come the match, I mean, it, it was latest September. It had been moved on a little bit into September. Come the match, it was 5 degrees. So it dropped 22 degrees in a week. And all the fishing were all waggler. It were virtually all waggler fishing. There weren't hardly a fish caught on a pole all week and during the weekend. So, you know, again, it's conditions and change and what happens with the fishing that dictates how you fish. Throughout your time at international level, who's been your main competition from within the England squad? And also, who's been your biggest international rival? Well, in the squad, there isn't... We're all competing against each other when we're practising, because obviously... Well, not obviously. It's a six-man team and five fish. So Mark Downs and Mark Addy and Dick Clegg in the past have had to pick five out of six. Now, there's always one angler that just struggles slightly more than the others so you know some venues suit some anglers slightly more than others and and sometimes circumstances you can just I know it sounds silly but even in six pegs often you get an end of the box which is slightly worse than the other it's never quite exactly even so we're all competitive against each other it's just as nature if we weren't competitive we wouldn't be in the team it's as simple as that but the rest of the teams, I mean, years ago, there were only probably four or five, maybe six teams that were at top of tree. So there weren't so many competing teams. So it was quite easy to finish in a good position. Now it's a lot, lot more difficult. I mean, even teams like Russia, I mean, Russia won the European Championships two or three years ago. And when I look back to 1994, the Russians, when they fished at home Pierpoint, had got literally no equipment. They were almost sat on buckets fishing with whips to fish a world championships. But you look at all the teams now, there's very, very little to choose between all of the teams. So the competitiveness now is very, very fierce at world level. And, and anybody who travels to watch a world championships or is, is fortunate enough to watch one, <laughs> all the anglers are capable of beating each other. So then it's, you know, you really have to be on top of your game to win. It's a bit like World Cup football, I suppose, in that all those making it into the finals will be good. But still, there are bound to be standout teams, or in this case, standout squads, which most of the other squads are going to fear. So which have been the most consistent, or if you like, most feared squads over your time on the international scene? Over the latter sort of years, I mean, Hungary have been a very, very strong team. Italy, of course, have been strong throughout all the world championships that I've fished. France also had a few years where they sort of went, I don't know, everything seemed to go wrong for them, but they've come back into the forefront again. I mean, teams like Poland, Slovakia, Slovenia, Serbia, all these teams now, they're all very, very strong. Belgiums, they're all strong teams that can all take points off you in a competition. 
the feel now is much more strong than what it used to be. I mean, for us, I think even looking forward to next year, the World Championships is in Croatia, and it's on a fast-flowing water where it'll be flat float fishing. And the amount of flat float fishing we do as a team is, is next to none in this country. So again, we'll certainly not be favourites to win in Croatia next year because... You know, it's quite alien fishing for us, to be honest. But I'm sure we'll be up there and do well. But whether we can win, I think it'll be, you know, a, a difficult task, to be honest. And who in any of the England squads that you was a member of had more promise or ability than the results actually suggest? <laughs> I would probably say Stevie Gardner. I mean, Stevie Gardner is one individual medals. He's had a, a second and he's had a third, to my knowledge. Stevie Gardner has been, you know, I mean, now he's, I think he's 60 this year. And his fishing ability and his results in the team, I mean, the number of times he's finished in the top 10 individually is phenomenal. I mean, I I think he's been involved 25 years in the team. And his results really do stand out. He's been phenomenal for the team. But his individual results, he's had odd chance to win, I'm sure, in the time he's been in the squad, but never quite managed to convert and, and win it individually. But Steve is, Steve is Steve, he's just a points machine, he's, he's really sort of been at the top of his game all through his angling career, and still is, there's no doubt about that. As I said earlier, I'm no course match angler. But I dabble occasionally in fresh water when it's too rough to go to sea in the boat. And over the years, even I've noticed changes which must be having an effect on preparing up-and-coming course anglers for international duties. In particular, the way in which big local matches now seem to have lost their popularity. Also the preoccupation these days with small still waters and carp. So is any of this having an effect on both the pool and the quality of individuals that will be available for international duties in the future? There's been quite a lot of things said that in the future we'll not have a strong squad because a lot of our fishing now is based around commercial fishing. But to be honest, I've got a completely different opinion to this because if you actually look at it, not all of the world championships are based around bloodworm and joker type fishing. I mean, this year in Poland on the Zaransky Canal, it was... It was out now, bloodworm for roach and skimmers. Now, if you actually look at it, a lot of the venues that we fish, I mean, you know, we fished at Merida in Spain where you had to catch carp and bigger fish. So our sort of circuit is perfect because we're learning all aspects of fishing all the time. The only thing that we're a little bit short of is maybe river-type fishing, because we haven't got a lot of that. But where big fish are involved, we're very good. Where small fish are involved, like roach and skimmers, where bream are involved, we're very, very good. We just maybe just lack a little bit of experience on rivers, and that's up to us to sort of travel and do more fishing abroad and you know that's what i've done in my angling career i mean i've traveled to germany and fished on big type rivers over there i've fished a lot in ireland on bigger rivers in ireland and and this is what 
a lot of the sort of up-and-coming anglers need to do. If, if they want to fish for England, they've got to diversify and travel and, and try to fish different waters and make sure that their all-round angling ability is very, very good. And when you actually look at it, we've got you know a number of anglers like that now. So maybe our circuit, apart from lacking a little bit in rivers, is probably one of the best in the world because, you know, if you look at myself, I mean, I fished for carp quite a lot through the summertime, but now I've moved on to the canals where I'm bloodworm fishing through the winter time. So I've got a mix of fishing. And also I've been abroad two or three times and fished with wagglers and sliders and, and all sorts of different aspects of the sport through the year. And this is what the anglers have to do all the time, there's no doubt. Obviously, with all the individual and team successes you've already mentioned, the national squad can't be doing too much wrong. That said, good or bad, how does what we do compare to the way they do things in other countries? Well, I, I think if you look at the England team, in every category, we are the number one team. I think every category. I know the girls won again this year, and I think that's probably put them as number one team. Obviously, we won. We are firmly cemented as the number one team to beat. I would have thought the feeder team as well up there. So all aspects of fishing, we are very, very good at. And, and, and at the top of the tree, as far as international competitions. So we're not doing a lot wrong. I mean, on, on the continent, they do things slightly different. A lot of the teams have qualifying matches to qualify for the world championships and I think some of them I mean maybe Italy have got a selection where they can select all the want from the sort of competitions that they fish but a lot of the teams the same as I say I think they're probably missing out on having more experience by using a similar team all the time like Mark Downs and Mark Addy does. Despite both yourself and Stander obviously wanting the very best for each other, at times there must also have been a degree of friendly rivalry for bragging rights within the house. So what's that been like? <laughs> it's uh, It's been an interesting journey, to be honest, because, you know, several times I've drawn next to Sandra, and when you're next to Sandra, you're in a competition. I mean, anybody who's seen Sandra fish and watched Sandra, she's very, very good. And she's hard to beat. Very hard to beat. I mean, I can remember one particular match I drew next to Sandra in Ireland. We drew peg one and two at Petumna on, on Rogers Island, which was not actually the best end of the actual section that we were on we were both pretty upset when we drew there but we got rigged up and got fishing and and as it turned out it was the the better end on the day and sandra fished eight meters of pole fishing close in catching roach and i elected to fish a little bit further out and catch eyebreds and roach and we had a terrific battle uh, it were a five-hour match, and in the end, Sandra had 60 kilos, and I finished up with 60 kilos, 380 grams. I beat her with 380 grams. So, on that particular occasion, it was very nip and tuck. And I've been next to her, and she's beat me on, on a couple of times. I can remember we fished on the Minster Pool at uh, Litchfield, and she had 25 kilo, and I caught 23 kilo in a competition. She won the competition on that occasion. She's won some very, very big matches. I mean, I've been to France with her on a Declique Pesh final. 
and uh, she were in some really good company. I mean, you know, a couple of really good French anglers, John Desky, Giles Claudin, were next to her, and she's caught 50 kilo on a slider of bream and won the competition and won three and a half thousand pounds. So, you know, she's won some big matches in her time, and she's very, very strong. Just because she's a woman, she's got arms and legs and, you know, and a brain like everybody else, and she's very hard to beat when she's on some fish. Actually, you were both world champions in the same year, which must have felt pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, in- incredible, really. I mean, you can't think as there's probably been a sort of husband and wife that's both been world champion at the same time in a sport. I mean, it'd be interesting to find out if anybody's ever done that before, but uh, it's not as if we were only fishing against a handful of people. I mean, when you look at the World Championships, there's 200 anglers fishing in the the men's event, and, and again, with the lasses, there's 20-odd teams of, of five fishing for the ladies' event. So, you know, for us to both come through and win the individual in the same year is pretty incredible, really. Can we now go back to your vast catalogue of successes? Which single win gave you the most satisfaction and why? Winning any world championship is sort of going to stick in your mind as being memorable. But for me, probably Croatia in 1998. I won the individual there and we also won the team gold as well. So that was sort of the best you can achieve when you can win individual and win a gold medal as well with the team is fantastic but also it was the end of a a fantastic run for me because I won the world championships three year on the trot so you know to actually win the individual a 200 peg competition like it is three year on the trot was some achievement and I can't see where an angler would probably ever achieve that again you know I mean I kept the trophy I still got the trophy because Winning it for three years, they gave me the trophy as such. So, I, so I've got the trophy in my cabinet here, and it's a thing that I can't see anybody ever achieving again. I mean, it, even to win the world championships five times individually, I can't foresee in the future. The, you know, the sort of the anglers now are so so strong that it'd be very difficult for a, an individual angler to win it five times in the future. I'm sure. But you managed. So what do you put that down to? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, I've always been very, very committed to fishing and everything I've done sort of from maybe been six-year-olds revolved around fishing and still does. I don't know. I mean, Sandra always says to me, she says, there's not many people as disciplined as what I am. I get up a lot of the time at six o'clock in the morning with Sandra. Sandra toddles off to work. And I get stuck in, I mean, I'm lucky that I'm a professional angler and I get stuck in and I make sure all my rigs and all my tattles up to scratch. And, you know, it's very, very rare in a 12-month period that I ever sort of stay in bed past 6 o'clock. I'm up early, I make sure everything's right and my preparation usually is second to none for every event that I fish. So there's obviously what you put into fishing is, or can be, what you get out of it. You're obviously still very strong on the match scene, and there's no reason why that won't remain so for many years to come. But eventually, even you lose your drive or your edge, and will either retire or get dropped, as must ultimately happen to everyone in due course. 
but being a professional angler, what will you turn to then? Maybe tackle consultancy work or coaching. Have you got any plans? Um, I mean, now I'm involved um, with Drennan, Drennan International. So at the moment, I'm involved in a, a lot of the development of the equipment for Drennan. And it's a, I don't know, it's, it's lovely to work in fishing as well as be involved in it. But looking to the future as such, I mean, you look at Stevie Gardner. Stevie Gardner's still in the squad at 60 year old. He's very, very fit. He works out, obviously, and keeps himself fit. Now, if I can carry on doing a similar thing and stay getting good results, I mean, you know, the only way to stay in the team is to keep achieving good results. And for me, you know, that's something that I strive for every year is to try to, you know, to keep myself fit. Also, to get the results that's needed to try to keep myself in the squad. That's what we all work for because the longer that we can stay in the team, obviously gathering more and more knowledge all the time. And as long as everything goes for you all right and you keep fit, then hopefully Mark Downs and Mark Addy will keep picking me. And as you continue to accumulate more wins and medals, it then becomes even more difficult for those that follow to better what you've achieved. Yeah, I mean, if you look at this year, it, it couldn't have been any better. We've had a couple of years where, all right, we've still done very well. I mean, we finished fifth last year in, in Czech Republic, and the year before in Italy we finished fifth. Some people might look at that as a failure for the England team, but if you look at the actual teams that's involved now, if you can keep finishing in the top five, you're doing a very, very good job because, you know, a lot of these teams are a lot, lot stronger than what they used to be. And of course, I mean, we won the year before in Merida, so, you know, we had a gold medal three years ago. And then to win a, a gold medal again this year and, and get such good individuals as well was just really fantastic. I mean, it's kept us buzzing again for next year. What about the future generally then for course match angling, both ladies and men, and the degree to which future England teams can continue to hope to be successful? Or will the others start to catch up with England in the near future? It's more of an even playing field now. It's, it's very, very difficult to win medals. Sometimes the angling press have lost sight of how difficult it is to win medals because we've been so successful. I think they think that it's easy, England every year will win. It's definitely not like that. These teams are very, very strong, and if we relax for one minute, we'll drop down the list, there's no doubt about that. So the only way, you know, to stay at, at top of your game is to keep pushing and, and pressurising the top teams, and that's, you know, what hopefully we can do. We've got a very, very strong nucleus of anglers at most levels. I mean, the ladies are strong, we're strong. The feeder team, they're out in South Africa at the moment. Hopefully, you know, they can come back with a gold medal as well, which will cap off a fantastic year for all the international teams. I know they've been doing very, very well and catching a lot of fish. So let's cross his finger and hope Tommy Pickering can bring back a gold medal with his team as well. Final question. Who, in your considered opinion, has been the outstanding match angler over your time on the scene? And also... Give us a name to watch out for in the future. Right. You know, I've already mentioned Stevie Gardner has been 
the benchmark for everybody. I mean, his his results over the years have been fantastic. He's been in the top ten individually so many times, and you know, he's he's a fantastic team angler. There's no doubt about that. I mean, there's quite a big list to be honest. I mean, you know, you look at Dennis White. Dennis White is now quite a bit into his sixties, and Dennis is a Barnsley lad with, with myself, and Dennis is still fishing now to a very, very good standard. He wins a lot of matches. I mean, it, it, there is quite a list of people who's been phenomenal over years. I mean, Kevin Ashurst, Kevin sort of one of founder men, members of the England team were, were very, very strong in his years at top flight. I mean, you know, he were unlucky not to win the World Championships three times. He won it in Ireland a good number of years ago and, and was second to Bob Nudd twice when he could have easily won, lost out on weight. I mean, Bob Nudd's been a very, very strong angler over the years. But uh, on the team front, I think you've got to look at Stevie Gardner has probably been the benchmark for all of us at, at international level is, is, you know, really been at top of tree for the period that he's fished. And the one for the future? Uh, again, I think there's several, but the one person that stands out for me, and, and, and I'm sure that he'll break into the world squad at some point, it's probably Matt Godfrey from Worksop. He's been brilliant at junior level. I think he's he's won at junior level three times, so he's already achieved three gold medals individually. They've won with the team on a number of occasions. He's absolutely a fantastic angler. He's fast. He's young. He's a, an inspiration to all of us, really. We fished a qualifying match to qualify for the World Club Championships a few weeks ago on the River Ouse, and the fishing was, was fantastic fishing for roach, and he had to catch weights, you know, up to £20 to do well in the sections. And Matt Godfrey, you know, won his section both days and actually won the match on both days, catching over £20 of roach. I mean, you know, he's, uh, he's a very, very strong angler, and to win when all the top anglers were there just shows, you know, how strong he is. Just to put it in perspective, I was second in that match and, you know, Matt was quite a bit in front of me. His, his angling ability at the moment is very strong and it's just a matter of time and maybe a little more experience and he'll break through into the, the world team, I'm sure. Maybe then I need to be having a chat with him soon too. Now you also mentioned there the World Club Championships and to round off an exceptional year for you, your club, the Barnsley Blacks, of which you was a team member, also won the 2013 World Club Classic, helping further fill up every section of your impressive unequal CV. My thanks then to Alan Scotton for talking it through with us here. <laughs> <laughs>